Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky made a visit to the newly liberated city of Kherson over the weekend with details on the latest on the war in Ukraine. Now 264 days into the Russian invasion, we're joined by Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and expert in Eastern European affairs. Good morning to you, Andrew. Good morning, Andy. Um, let's get right to it uh, as far as what we've been seeing over the past, I would say, several weeks, if not couple months. Does it appear, or it appears to me anyway, through your eyes, that things are going better for Ukraine than Russia at this point in the conflict? Oh, oh yes, I mean absolutely. Um, with the with the particularly with the seizure of Kherson over the last few days, uh, that is a major uh, Ukrainian operational level victory, and that's basically number three. Uh, the battle for Kiev in, in March was number one. Uh, battle for Kharkiv in uh, the summer was number two. This is number three. And what that has done is effectively put the Russians on the strategic defense. Uh, They have withdrawn across the Dnieper River and established what appear to be strong fortifications on the other side, still protecting, and this is very important to remember, that the land bridge to Crimea Mm -hmm. and the fresh water supply along a canal that supplied Crimea. So the Russians still hold important ground. They haven't lost the war. They are on the defensive, but the Ukrainians certainly have the momentum. Now, and the question then becomes, where does this go? And, you know, you've got General Miley, uh, the American uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who on uh, last Wednesday in New York uh, publicly commented on this thing and said, basically, you know, the Russians and the Ukrainians have both sustained 100, approximately 100,000 casualties each side, dead and wounded. This is the first time that we actually have a Western source talking about Ukrainian casualties. There's been a lot of figures thrown around about Russian casualties, but now you've got this 100, 100,000. That's a very, that's new, and that's important. Then Miley continued on to say, you know, with these figures, uh, neither side uh, is strong enough to impose a complete defeat of the other. Again, no one has actually said that. So these are important statements. That means that now on the strategic defensive with winter coming, late fall, that cold, wet period, and then the freezing period comes, what's going to happen? And are we going to have negotiations? This is now everyone's question. It's everyone's question. We'll get to that a little further in a second, because I know that, you know, as far as Ukraine is concerned, when it comes to resources and tech being propped up by several, several countries across the globe. And now we've been hearing over the past handful of days or a week and a half or so that Russian forces have been propped up to a certain extent by Middle Eastern, uh, you know, states. So mm-hmm. they are getting some yeah. help. Where, where else is Russia getting help from? Well, I mean, the main story is, is the Iranians. Uh, in terms of the missile supplies, like the, some missiles and, and, and the drone effects. But uh, we also have to remember that Russia still has its own armaments industry, uh, and they can still produce basic stuff. They, they, there's, there's shortages of chips, of course, but they can still produce basic artillery shells. They can produce basic uh, artillery pieces, and they can modernize or keep their tanks going, you know, and the, the simple stuff. I mean, what they did in World War II, you have to remember, they can still put out the basics. And they've got fair amounts of that. So they're not completely out yet. Uh, they can still fight, particularly in the defense, they can fight. And most intelligence analysts are, are, not, are saying that the Russians have the potential in the spring to come back with an offensive, as, of course, do the Ukrainians. So both, of the, both sides 
could still be in a position this spring to launch offensives against each other. And this is what people are saying. If there is a period in time now to negotiate, it's between now and the spring. And we'll see if there's an appetite there. When when we say we'll see if there's an appetite, I think that we all know that this would, would, would be best for everybody involved. But... How realistic do you think it is? And who would well, be the first to broker this out of those two? Yeah, I mean, the, the, these are the questions. And, and so I'll, I'll break it down a little bit for you. So first question was, and this is all seems to have been resolved, uh, the Ukrainian position, let's call it their maximalist position, first part of that was uh, no negotiating with Putin. Now, the Americans uh, were trying to convince uh, Zelensky that uh, Putin's not going anywhere, as far as we can see. And if he does go, he's gonna, there's going to be someone tougher coming behind him, not someone nicer. So the question is, uh, in a realistic world, at some point in time, all wars end. And regardless of where the line finally ends, the Ukrainians will have to negotiate all probability with Putin. The Americans were public with that, with Jake Sullivan saying that, and, and, and Zelensky has backtracked and he's dropped the thing about no negotiating with Putin. So that, that, that's been successful. There's, there's an important step right there. Now, the other thing is the line. Where will the line be? And the Ukrainians, of course, are, are saying it, the line is on the Russian border of Russia proper, which means uh, Ukrainian forces expel all Russian forces from occupied Ukraine, and most importantly, Crimea. And that becomes very, very difficult, that part of the proposition. Uh, because the Russians, for the Russians, uh, uh, Crimea is very different than the other four oblasts that are being contested right now. And the Russians will do everything to hold that. And there is also popular support in Russia for Crimea. For the, for the, the occupied territories of Ukraine and the four oblasts, it's not really. There's no great. Uh, uh, there's no great enthusiasm, except for the ultranationalists in Russia who want that. So, the question is: Will there be a deal? And the Ukrainians saying there's no deal, but mm-hmm. that, these are early days still, and a lot of the stuff would come behind the scenes. And I suspect in Bali and Indonesia, as the G20 is now ramping up. There's a lot of that stuff going on in the corridors. I mean, Biden met with with Xi today. You know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that was not going to be stated publicly. But I believe people are going to say, look, we need a line that's a compromised line of some sort. And the wiggle room would be somewhere in that Donbass area from Kharkiv down to Kershaw. There's that wiggle room space. Okay. Uh, just before we let go, we've got about 30 seconds left, Andrew. But uh, you know, every week, it seems like when we speak with you, or every two weeks, we talk about the nuclear option and perhaps some nuclear warfare being used uh, by Russia. Is that off the table yet or has that diminished? It's really diminished. Uh, it's really diminished. I think people have realized that, that, that you don't fight nuclear wars, you know? I mean, and, and basically, uh, there, there's, a, there's a no win there. And people have gone back to Cuba 62, and people have remembered. Kennedy was saying, I'll blow up the world if, if you guys come into Cuba, you see? And he wasn't talking about limited nuclear war, because people understand you cannot fight limited nuclear wars and survive because they escalate to the thermonuclear level. So that's off. It basically, people have put that behind now. I mean, it's not to say that it's gone completely. And if it get and if things, if Ukrainians ever push toward uh, uh, Crimea, that might that might come back again because the Black Sea Fleet has nuclear weapons. Yeah. Just physically, they're there. They're there, ready to go. Thank you so much for your time. Lots has happened since we last spoke. We appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. Indeed, Andy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sandra Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European affairs.